Hello and welcome to the DanceCast, where I explore dance as an art form, traveling to non-traditional places and with non-traditional doers. I'm your host and my name is Silva Lakkanen. Hello there and welcome to DanceCast episode 27. It's been quite amazing to learn about all these different doers and the field of integrated dance and I am excited to introduce you one more. His name is Eric Coopers, who has co-directed, choreographed and performed with Dandelion Dance Theatre since its inception in 1996, creating numerous works that have been presented throughout California nationally and internationally. He's deeply influenced by his work as a performer in the companies of Della Davidson and Margaret Jenkins, as well as by important teachers Billy Burke, Charles Edmondson, Bella Levitsky and her company, Nell Wong, Sylvia Martin, Ellie Klopp and Joe Good. Eric is a professor of dance at Cal State University East Bay and is heading up the development of an inclusive interdisciplinary performance program at the university. Eric is the director of Dandelion, an ensemble within Dandelion Dance Theatre of dance, music theatre and visual artists committed to ongoing, inclusive, interdisciplinary research, as well as the CSUEB Inclusive Interdisciplinary Ensemble, which brings together students, alumni, community members and professional performers with and without disabilities of all sizes and shapes, and from diverse cultures uh, for, and from diverse cultures to create original performance works. I will also add Dandelion's uh, website link on the um, uh, episode, so check it out there. And then people, if you haven't seen the newest dance magazine cover with Alice Shepard on it, please go and take a look. And also read her words. Um, you can find them at the Kinetic Light Facebook page, which you should go and check it out anyway and like it, and then read read the read the actual article on Dance Magazine as well. It is so wonderful to have person with disability in a cover of Dance Magazine. Alice also says that the last time when Dance Magazine had a person with a disability on it uh, was back in 2003, so it was definitely a time for that. So go and check that out and hope you enjoy this amazing episode, listening all the amazing work that Eric does. Here we go. Eric, welcome yes. to DanceCast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. It's so exciting to um, meet you because you're actually, I think, my first guest who I have never met. In person. In person. Oh, nice. So I got emailed by Judy Smith uh, that I should talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, I was. I'm, she's a good friend, and um, I take her advice whenever I can. And you, you have choreographed for Axis before, correct? Correct. Yeah, we did. Uh, there's a couple things we did. A, a kind of a small. Oh boy, here goes the dog. Um, <laughs> we did a small piece um, a number of years, many years ago. Let's see, when was that? 2009, I think, called Spinal Fluid, which was more of an experimental 
um, uh, it wasn't, didn't have a formal performance. It was like lots of sort of just, we just went out into the city and performed it in different places. And it was more experimenting with, with exploring movement on different bodies. And then, um, we did a really big piece together with my company, Bandalion and Axis that was at, um, in the Bay area, we have BART, which is our train system. Oh yeah. And we did it at three different BART stations and um, traveled with the audience on BART. On the tra- it was like massive, complicated, but really interesting project and process to do. That sounds awesome. I love those things where dance goes amongst people who didn't choose to come and see it. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. So, and is it Dandelion or Bandelion? It's both. So Dandelion okay. Dance Theater is our comp- is our official company, our nonprofit organization, and the the five hundred one c three umbrella organization. And I founded that with Kimiko <laughs> Guthrie in nineteen ninety six. We started that, and then and that at that point we were doing most of our work together, collaborating. And then she um, sort of took a break from choreographing, and other changes happened, and. <laughs> She has kids that she's been focusing on raising, and um, I stayed very active with creating work, and so created Bandalion as my ensemble within the company. Oh, I see. Okay. I read on uh, your website, too, that sort of the seeds, which I actually love that the Dandelion seeds were planted in 1991, but yeah. you said that it formally was started in well, 1996? Yeah, we the seeds were planted. We we both went to UC Santa Cruz um, and were put together to create a duet in 1991. And oh, so that wow. was the beginning of our working together and then um, moved to the Bay Area and, and started the company sort of formally in 1996. I but see. we had been working together since 91. Okay. And uh, uh, your work is very... Uh... Your work, the website describes the work that you do. Our work is built from a fascination with interdisciplinary experimentation, in-depth collaboration, vulnerability, risk-taking, and the truths that come from looking at the world from an outsider perspective. That's wonderful. Oh, thanks. It's <laughs> really exciting. I haven't, I haven't um, looked at it for a while, so that sounds, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> so it's always great to find out that you did something good right right so how does that look in action how does those combine in action look like well it's it's always changing um i i feel like experimentation is kind of at the core of what i do both in my teaching and in creating uh, performance work um we have the bandoline ensemble we work together we we are together once a week every week um pretty much all year we take little breaks here and there but um in general we're constantly working sometimes we have a big project we're working on sometimes it's more training focused or um, exploratory um for instance this next year we we did some big projects a lot of big projects over the last number of years and i'm really craving a time to just do small things for a while and so we're going to take a year of I'm, I'm going to try to refrain from <laughs> organizing any big <laughs> events <laughs> if I can um, and to just sort of come together without the pressure of deadlines and and experiment. And um, I'm really interested in focusing more on improvisation 
and on our performance forms. We we start with dance, but then we do a lot of music and theatrical um, explorations too. Dance is kind of my home language, but over the last two decades or so, um, I've just gotten more and more interested in music and studying mm. music and wanting to have a, whenever we do something, our music is live and wow. and the people go back and forth between moving and playing instruments and singing and telling stories and um and so and then that's sort of i see that as inclusion around different art forms and then inclusion around different bodies and um, a real interest in working with people with disabilities and different body sizes and challenging body size bias in dance mm -hmm. and um well i really love working with older performers um, and younger performers altogether. Um, I just there's something about being in a very diverse and inclusive environment that um, just makes me feel more alive and makes me feel more um, uh, kind of awake to what what might unfold and and because it it tends in, the more diverse the environment gets, the more inclusive it gets, the more unpredictable because there's so many different people who have different ways of understanding and communicating and doing things. And it, it can get chaotic and stressful at times, but in general, I find it very just life affirming and mm -hmm. engaging. I definitely agree with that. I find that working with diverse population also keeps me learning and checking in with my yes. thought processes and the way I see and think about world. And that feels always very great. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It keeps me on my toes. And um, I mean, I feel like I have so much to learn around yeah. inclusion and, you know, so much of my training was all about having a certain kind of body and, and following the movement of the teacher or the guidance of the teacher. And, and so even though I've been had this focus on inclusion and diversity for, you know, about 18 years. Um, I still feel like my default is always to go to sort of my early training. And, and it takes a, a lot of work and effort to sort of remember, oh, I have to think about this differently because it's this, this doesn't work for someone in a wheelchair or, you know, using a crutch or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did the seed of dancing got planted in you? Um, I discovered dance. I was a very shy, quiet kid and, um, kind of very insecure. And I, I went to a school and I grew up in Los Angeles and I went to a school, um, it was a magnet school, which meant it brought people from all over this city. And it was a performing arts and science magnet. And, um, everybody in, this was in fifth grade, everybody had to take, um, folk dance once a week. We just went and we did folk dance and I really loved it. There was something that um, I found I could relate to people in a way that I didn't know how to relate to them socially, but we could relate through dance and um, I could feel part of something. Um, and I auditioned to be at a performing group. I auditioned to be part of it. I didn't get in, but <laughs> then the, ne the next year I auditioned again and got in and then just found like, I just loved performing and working hard at learning dance and 
there was an older dancer who sort of mentored me and told me to start taking jazz dance and then ballet and modern. And, um, it just became my life. Um, and you know, then I've left it at times and come back and left it and come back. But, uh, those, the, those early seeds are still really in me. I still sort of remember a lot of the folk dances we did back then and, um, incorporate them in my performance work and my teaching and, um, yeah, so keep using that as a resource. Oh, wow, that's wonderful. You know, I hope yeah. everybody um, who works in education who thinks that we don't need dance or art in education heard this because, I mean, yeah, it just changes lives. It really does. And this was like a, it was in sort of inner city Los Angeles. Um, I think most, there was a wide range of students because they were bused from all over, but a lot of um, working class kids from working class families, poor families, um, very ethnically diverse. Um, and somehow this teacher, Billy Burke is his name. He was, he had been part of a professional folk dance ensemble, Amon, and came and was teaching and just was teaching us the professional level choreography. And, um, he just really, it was amazing because folk dance was like cool. And which was so surprising to me, you know, with, the level of insecurity and popularity and things that young people go through. It was like, it was just cool to be part of this folk dance group. And it was like <laughs> a, a center of, a, of the school in many ways. And, um, and I think transformed so many lives. Yeah. It does. And especially like the, the idea that it gave you this like way of connecting with people is so powerful yeah. And so important that yeah. sense of belonging. And a way, yeah, in the sense that I can participate and learn, you know, I was still for the most part shy in many ways and and mm -hmm. I think in some ways I still am. Um but dance gave me this way like I could be I had a community, I had a so I could engage, I could feel confident about something. Um I don't really remember much else that I learned in elementary and junior high, but I remember all the dance and, you know, the, the idea that dance is cut from so many schools, is just, it's heartbreaking to me because I think for, you know, people learn in different ways and some people dance won't be the thing that wakes them up. But for those people that connect in that way, it's, that's really the most important subject mm -hmm. for them to study at that time as they're growing up, I think. Yeah, you know, I um, I grew up in Finland, and we didn't have dance. Yeah. Like it was part of PE. We did like some folk dancing, but it definitely wasn't there, and it's still not there. And it makes me really yeah. sad. Yeah, too. that's that's too bad because I I always looked, I always heard these great things about Finland and school <laughs> and education. Yeah, but it still doesn't include dance. Really? Mm -hmm. Oh, because my my stepmother was a. a really big on arts education and an and a advocate and writing curriculum. And she would always say Finland was like the, <laughs> the, I think that's what she said. Finland was like the best yeah, education system. It It is. It gets highly rated, but, but it's still lacking in that. Right. In yeah. that. But you know, you, we do like visual art. We do music. We mm -hmm. do everything else except dance. Woodworking, so crafting. Wow. But no dance. 
What do you think that's about? Like, why do you think not dance? I don't know. It's a good question. Maybe it is. It talks something about the society in general because there isn't this like that only certain people get to go and take dance classes because yeah. everybody lives in an upper middle class. So things are just more available for everybody. Mm. And but it is. It's weird why dance is like this one part of PE for like a two weeks and then right. and I think it's a, just a crazy idea that the PE teacher can teach dance right yeah to begin with so I don't know and I've been gone for so many years I maybe it's time to go back and insist that dance becomes yeah part of education yeah well it, it seems to me I you know I've often my theory around that because it, it seems like dance, for the most part, as far as I can tell, is usually lowest priority of the arts. Mm-hmm. The arts are often low priority in education, and then dance is sort of lowest. Um, and I think it has to do with some kind of just fear of the body and of embodiment, and that you know so much of society is built on progress through our thinking and our intellectual minds, and dance is this whole other language that is intuitive, and you can't really pin it down in this intellectually in certain ways and um there's a a way that dance is sort of you can't control it in a certain way that you can some other things yeah and i do think that we are biting ourselves in the foot with the uh, with the very narrow description is who is dancer yeah i mean that when you think about the like the stereotypical image that people get when you say i'm a dancer and if you don't fit in that why do you bring it in education? Because it cuts 95% of the people. Right, right. Like, and it's, it's such that... a, it's just the idea of like vir- virtuosity. Mm-hmm. And like, so only this very elected 1% can ever make it. I think we yeah. have like, the idea is so narrow that yeah. that's probably one of the reasons why it's not in education because it's not a viable profession. Right. Although neither is sports really. Yeah. <laughs> like only the one percent really make a living out of it and but yeah, yeah yeah that's true but you have actually i read that you are working to make a program in higher education that includes dance and physical performance um and physical integration with different yes. bodies i am yeah. super excited to hear more about that process well that um so i was hired um on, on a tenure track um, position in 2006 at Cal State East Bay and part of my what my sort of application was about and, and my mandate I guess was to create this program that we then called Dance for All Bodies and Abilities and um, I had I talked a lot with Judy Smith and Axis and um, we had this vision of creating a, a program that Axis would teach in, so they would be in residence in the university. And, um, But I also contacted groups that... Um, there's a group called Big Moves that does that focused on size diversity in dance and, um, and just other, other people who've done inclusive and integrated dance to try and sort of gather a council of supporters to what, what could we create here that would be with disabilities or 
fit into the, the standards of many dance programs, people to come and, and study and learn and create and get their degree. Um, as it sort of developed, what I was finding was that the students who came to my classes, tend, we didn't get many students with physical disabilities. We got a lot of students with cognitive and um, developmental disabilities. Um, so that was interesting, um, a sort of different sh focus than I had thought we were gonna go in. And then uh, funding cuts started happening and we had to cut a lot of our classes, our dance offerings. And um, so the idea of bringing in access to teach was like off the table because we could barely, we had to cut a lot of our regular teachers already. And mm -hmm. so, um, so, so, and as I, sort of continued to, to, I just sort of put inclusion and diversity in dance at the forefront of all my work at, at Cal State. And what eventually developed was what's called the Inclusive Interdisciplinary Ensemble, IIE. Um, and because what I found was that what I, I started focusing on creating performance works, and that was sort of a way to channel all my classes into performance. And then people with, with and without disabilities and of all sizes in school, but also community members to come and be part of it. Because sometimes there wasn't somebody with a disability who wanted to, in, in the student body who wanted to dance or knew about it, but I had friends in the community and it was like this great way to introduce integrated dance to the students by having community members be part of it. And so we created a lot of pieces and it was, um, it was inclusive around bodies and art forms and then also you know a lot of the students at Cal State East Bay aren't originally interested in modern dance or dance theater or things like that and they're mostly interested in what they've seen on TV or hip-hop or um, or sometimes it's uh, it's an athlete or something or or a musician you know so one of our big a uh, piece that we made in 2008 called tongues um, which was based on a play by Sam Shepard and Joe um, Chaikin, 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 I think. I forget how to pronounce it anyway. <laughs> um, I can relate to that issue. <laughs> the, Not knowing how the, to pronounce words or names. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, was, it was uh, a number of folks using wheelchairs were in it. There was a wide range of age. And then there was the sort of stars of the piece that was, was this young African-American guy who was a turf dancer, which is this form from Oakland of hip hop dance. That, um, and so bringing together that kind of crossover of, of genres felt very powerful too. And it, it, it made modern dance accessible to a lot of people who otherwise wouldn't be interested in it and, and exposed people in the sort of modern dance, postmodern world to more community-based forms and more popular forms. and. So that sort of launched the IIE, and then every year we ma would make a big piece and, and um, with community members, students, alumni, professional artists, and that's become the center of my work there. And so what we, the latest development is that we're, we've just rewritten our whole curriculum in our theater and dance department, and our major, the concentration used to be called dance, now it's called dance and inclusive performance. Oh wow! And, and then and students can choose to have a focus within that on just dance or inclusive performance. 
And then we have a minor in inclusive and social justice performance. Um, so. And is this masters or uh, bachelors? Uh, bachelors, bachelors. Yeah. So we're we're at the beginning of that shift, and so the 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 curriculum isn't quite. We're having to rework it a, a bunch, and um, but wanting to really make sure that inclusive performance is is sort of locked into our program and. And that that's a place people can come to study this. And, um, and would this program also accept person with disabilities to come? Oh, to totally. <laughs> oh, yeah. We would like lots of people with disabilities to come. Um, <laughs> that's the goal is to attract more and more people with disabilities who fall outside the norm in whatever way. And, <laughs> you know, it's it's to learn about performance. But also to me, it's like a research laboratory. Um <laughs> Like the students are learning, but I'm learning too. So I want more and more people to come and and bring, you know. And it's great. Sometimes we get older students returning to school, um, and uh, they bring, you know, whatever their career has been and things like that. Yeah, I mean that sounds super interesting. I am actually conducting with a with a colleague from here at Keshet um, a research oh, yeah. on um, the 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 state of physically integrated dance in higher academia uh-huh. and just looking at the tra- trajectory for people with disabilities to have the possibility to go and dance as a young child right. in a private sector then take a pre-professional program and then apply to college and then audition for a dance company right I mean, it's not quite existing or it spots here and there but like yeah that's I just well, that's so one I'm going to include your college to the research and send you oh, the cool. survey as well. Yeah, please do because that's one of the things that that was the original motivation, especially talking with some folks from Axis way back when, and who had like wanted to study dance and weren't allowed in university programs because of their disability, or just told you know stand in the back and um and. So we wanted to, how can we create this space that is, is not only allows, but actually welcomes and encourages. So that's sort of where we're at. I think it's a definitely a work in progress. Um, but it's been really, really neat to see, because one of the things that I love is introducing students to contemporary dance and um, see, but to introduce them from the start with integrated dance and so it's not like here's modern dance and then here we can include people with disabilities but just from the very get-go oh yeah everybody does this can do this this is and it's neat to watch students who've come through our program who then just assume of course if you have a disability you dance like yes and and as they graduate and go out into the world that they have this very different idea about it so that's i think that's you know the other goal is to get as many people out there who are aware of the possibilities of integration and inclusion. That's, that's amazing. That's, that's exactly what we want, right? Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think that your university was so open, like from the get go for this idea? Because I feel like whenever I talk with higher academia, it's often they're like, well, you know, well, how are we gonna, you know, rate their tandus? Right. (laughs) (laughs) And like, it just like starts with the really problematic questions 
in general like how do you rate anybody like victorian right. like this actually came up at dance usa conference in a pre-conference meeting with dance and disability there was a college who had had people with disabilities applying who did not get in because of this issue of not knowing how to rate and then mm-hmm. victoria marks from ucla was like well how do you rate anybody on that like that mm. is but then you're saying that you were hired from the get-go to think about this and how to make it happen I, yeah, I mean, I think, I feel like we have a really special department that's really open. Um, I mean, the other thing is that myself and Nina Haft is my co- uh, sort of cohort, co- colleague, who we coordinate the dance program together. We're actually the first full-time tenure-track dance people at Cal State East Bay. So the dance program was um, very eclectic and small, well, yeah, so when we came in, it was, um, there wasn't, a, it was a very small program, and Nina and I were hired, we were the first full-time tenure-track dance professors in the school, and so uh, we we sort of were starting from scratch in many ways, and I think that's why we could do this, and we have a lot of freedom in the department. It's a small, the nice thing is it's a small department, there's just a lot of freedom but it also uh, sounds like a lot of support. Yeah, and a lot of support, yeah. Like you don't have to go around convincing people that this is a great idea. It sounds like everybody's on board right. with that. It took, a, it took a while. There was some um, convincing. Okay. Um, <laughs> and a lot of, I feel like, a lot of educating both myself and my colleagues. Because I think there was a lot of like, you know, the, the standard prejudices about including more and more people with disabilities. And what does that do to you know, the, our production quality or um, this and that. And, 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 you know, I think it this piece, Tongues, in 2008 was a, a real turning point because it had a lot of people with disabilities and it got recognized nationally as a piece and, and through the American College Theater Festival, went to the Kennedy Center. And, and um, so I think that was like, oh, this can this can be done and, and be really innovative, and actually this could be a strength of our department, not just a, you know, okay, we'll let them in kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, ca- the campus in general is is incredibly diverse ethnically, mm-hmm. and uh, and there's a lot of support for inclusion at many different levels, and so I think. Uh, a lot of the early years of me teaching there, I was reaching out to other departments and like, um, and a lot of people and trying to really make a big push to get disability awareness more on campus. And, and, um, and then it started to pick up its own momentum, I think. And, yeah. That's amazing. I'm, I'll definitely look into it more. That sounds super fantastic and amazing work. Oh, Cool. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's, you know, the program is there. It's, we're always struggling. We're always, you know, have pressure from the administration to have more students and, um, bigger classes and things like that. Um, but somehow it's, it's been working. Something's been sort of holding and going through and. Yeah, that sounds really fantastic. I'm so glad that I get to talk to you about that because it has felt like it's so hard to make it happen mm-hmm. the work seems so huge but there you are 
I mean, yeah. I'm so glad you have done it and are do- and you're doing it. Oh, thanks. What would be uh, your ultimate dreams with your Vandalayan and Vandalayan and with your college professor work? Um, I think my ultimate dream would be for there to be at Cal State East Bay, like a center built, a huge building um, for inclusive performance. And Bandalion could be in residence there, and that could be the focus of my teaching at Cal State East Bay. And um, maybe people are coming from all over the world and doing residencies around inclusive and integrated performance. And um, we have a more money for faculty, some giant endowment, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it would happen, but that would be. I just have this vision of this huge building with state-of-the-art accessible studios and um, a, a, just a place that people come to from around the world to do research and sharing and exploration, uh, a, like a laboratory, really. <laughs> <laughs>